0: Friends, our second lesson today is a rather long lesson that is two stories interwoven, taken from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, for she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him, The whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about she was 12 years old at this they were overcome with amazement he strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat friends this is the word of the lord Well, this is summertime, and so summer is a time when they like to release a lot of action movies. So I don't know if that's your thing when you go to the theater, but the the, it's one of the genres that's really popular in summer, you know, get the the teenagers who are out of school coming to the theater. And one of the things about those movies is, you know, there's usually a problem that presents itself and the hero has to solve it. You know, you have to disarm the bomb, rescue the hostage, you know, something like that has to happen, but you also know when you go into the movie, you have an idea that this movie is going to be a couple of hours long. And so what happens is, it always, the standard thing, right, is it looks like the hero's about to get the job done. Alright, so it looks like they're, they're really close. They've got a, they've got a clear shot at, at getting the hostage. They've got, they've got a line on disarming the bomb. They're, they're out there. But you also realize we're 20 minutes into the movie. So clearly, something is going to go wrong okay so you just know it it has to be because otherwise you know you just you haven't even finished your bucket of popcorn and the movie is over Now, in the ancient times, they didn't have the benefit that we do of of knowing these stories in advance. In ancient times, when they're telling these stories, they don't know how long it's supposed to be. They don't know uh, the, the stories the way we know them. They don't get to hear them over and over. The stories are presented as if being told for the first time. And so this story begins with what seems like it's going to be another very simple, very short healing story. All right, they're not expecting this convolution to happen. It begins with this leader of the synagogue, a powerful man, coming, and coming up to Jesus and prostrating himself and begging him, my little daughter is about to die. Come lay your hands and she'll be healed. And if you were used to the stories that you were hearing about Jesus, this sounds like a pretty simple story. He comes, he begs Jesus for help, It says that Jesus goes with him, and so what you expect is pretty simple. Jesus goes with him, heals the girl, roll credits, on to the next story. But this story is a little more complicated than that. Suddenly, out of nowhere, comes a second person. A woman who'd been suffering from hemorrhages, who's bleeding for 12 years. Now, one of the things that, again, in our perspective, in the modern Christian perspective that you forget, that you don't hear right away, is this notion that because of her bleeding, she was ritually unclean. She was ritually unclean and, in fact, perpetually ritually unclean for those 12 years. The fact that her bleeding had not stopped would mean that she was excluded from the proper assemblies. She couldn't be a part of the the community because she was unclean. So she had been an outcast for 12 years. She had tried. It said she spent all her money. She was off in search of a cure. Who knows what she tried to spend her money on. And nobody was able to help and she's probably gotten to the point where her expectation is that she expects no one to help they can't help she's unclean stay outside stay in your place you are beyond help so she takes matters into her own hands literally and she sneaks up on jesus Saying, if I touch his clothes, I will be made well. And she does. And she's healed. Now, a couple problems with this. If, if you're listening to this. She just touched Jesus. So in the rules of uncleanness, he's now unclean. And, and so this is, this is the person who's about to disarm the bomb and he drops his wire cutters. Uh Uh-oh, now we have a problem. Jesus is unclean. And so the, the belief is going to be that there's been this now this reversal, that the powerful man had begged for his daughter to be healed, and Jesus was on his way to heal the daughter when suddenly she comes in and steals the healing. It's not just that she's healed, but that by touching him, now Jesus is unclean And it looks like, okay, she's healed, but game over for the little girl. It says that he felt the power go from him. And then he turned around and says, who touched my clothes? And that even sounds like, boy, maybe not just healing power, maybe all the power went out from him because he doesn't even know who touched him. How much power went out? How much power did she grab in her frustration, in her exclusion? He says, who touched my clothes? And you're expecting, I think, that when Jesus says this, that he's mad. You're expecting that he's upset. Who snuck up on me? Who snatched this power from me? But no. What happens is he turns around and after she admits that it was me, he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. He calls her daughter. He's not mad. She just, he just wanted to tell her. She was probably ready to take the healing and sneak away, never to be identified. But no, Jesus has her own up to it so that he can pronounce, this is okay, this is all right. Because God's concern is with justice, not protocol. Jesus isn't worried about the fact that she just reached out and grabbed her healing. She didn't ask, she didn't come and say, Jesus, will you heal me? She just took it. And Jesus was okay with that. In her suffering, in her exclusion, it was all right. See, Jesus' concern is with justice. Broke protocol? That's okay. But now, you still have this other original problem. What about the daughter of of the leader? What about her? What happened to her? Is she going to pay the price for this woman's act? Because the people come up to the leader and they say, your daughter is dead. And now it sounds like the one has come at the expense of the other. Jesus' power has gone out. Jesus was delayed and held up. No, the story twists again. It's not impossible to save the daughter. That can happen too. And when you put these two stories together, there's a message that we're getting, which is a simple reminder that there's enough for everyone. There's enough healing, there's enough love, there's enough justice, and granting to the one Did not come at the expense of the other. You see, sometimes we think that there's a zero-sum game, a fixed-sum game at work. And if we give for one, it means someone else doesn't get. If we give for one, it means someone loses. We think that there has to be winners and losers, and when we see this, we we understand somehow that, that the healing of this woman usurped the healing of the little girl. Jesus says, no, not in my world. Not in the way God intended it to be. There's enough for everyone to get the justice that they deserve. But that sounds very impractical. So of course... They laugh at Jesus when he says, no, I can still heal her. They laugh because it doesn't make sense. That's the, a part of the constant reminder that we have that the things of God don't make sense to us so much of the time. They sound very impractical. And we're supposed to be rational. But Jesus says, no, not so fast. What you think is rational, what you think is practical, what you think is logical may not be the way it is in the world as I intend it to be. So we, we live our lives constrained by what we think the possible is. And Jesus asks us to live beyond it, to think more broadly, to understand that yes, you can have both cared for. Then they give us another little fact in this story, which is interesting. They give us this fact that the girl is 12 years of age. 12 years. Gee, coincidence? I think not. (laughs) Exactly how long the woman had been bleeding. So if you go back 12 years before, you understand that right about the time this girl is born that woman had begun her 12 years of suffering. For this entire time, for the entire lifetime of this little girl, that woman had been an outcast. She had been unclean. She had been excluded. She bankrupted herself trying to find healing. And all during those 12 years, this girl had lived a life of privilege. She was the daughter of a leader of the synagogue. Clearly, Daddy loves his little girl because when she is sick, he runs up to Jesus and, and disregarding his position, disregarding his stature, he falls at Jesus' feet to beg for healing. He is a position of power and he loves his little girl. And that's what she has had for the last 12 years. But somehow life manages to bring them to this intersection. And we know that happens. That no matter how much power, privilege you amass, you're not insulated from what happens in life. And the twelve years of suffering of this woman intersect the twelve years of of what was as far as we could tell, uh happy, loving childhood for this girl. And they meet at this point in time. And the message we get here is that there's enough from Jesus to deal with both of their situations. And it's not just a simple reversal of somehow the rich girl now dies, that somehow her privilege turns into her suffering and she will die, while the, the woman who was suffering Gets to live on healed. But rather, Jesus can deal with both. There's enough for each. See, life's an equalizer. And God treats us equally. But things happen to equalize us. And sometimes people feel threatened by that. There's been a lot of talk in the news right in the last week or so about this word civility. Boy, we need to be civil. And I, I mean, I have no, I'm not objecting to civility as a concept, okay? Civility is great. But we also have to remember that sometimes civility is used by persons with power to tell people without power that they should just sit down and shut up. See, if though think about this situation, right? If the woman had asked, may I touch Jesus? What would the answer have been? No, you may not. You may continue to bleed. You may stay in your place. Certainly, you must stay in order behind the leader's daughter. You will let the leader's daughter be healed let jesus he was on his way to heal her let let jesus heal her first and then we shall see we shall see if there's any left over we shall see if he has time for you and that would have been the civil thing for her to do but instead in her suffering she was Less civil. (laughs) And she snuck up on him. And she took it. But the reminder. Is that that was okay. And it didn't take from the leader's family. The leader's family was okay too. And that's an important reminder for us. That, that extending justice doesn't ruin it for everybody else. It just extends justice. And this is a good thing. Extending love, extending compassion, it's not fix some. It doesn't take from one and, and give to the other. It just expands the pool. And at the end of the day, at the end of the story, instead of your expectation that there would be one person healed, we had two. Because that's the way God works. And that's the way God wants it. So don't let people try to tell you that there's not enough to go around. Don't let people turn it into a, I I have to take from the one For the other. There's enough. We can be just. For everyone. And it will be okay. In fact it will be. Closer to what God wants. And it may be perceived by some. As threatening. But we need to assure them. It's not a threat. It's an expansion of what is good. It's an expansion of what is right. It's an expansion of what God intends for the way we should live with one another. Because life equalizes us. God's love is sufficient for all of us. Amen. Amen.